Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My hair is up. I've got a new lens on the camera. I don't know if you'll be able to notice, but it's all true. I'm trying different things. Hello, my name is Derek G and this is... Derek G speaks volumes. I've done 50 episodes in a row, 50 without a break. So I'm getting towards the end of the year. I'll be taking a break soon so that I can retool, think about how I want to approach things in the new year. But as a number, that's quite an impressive run. So I, I appreciate and thank you anyone who's listening and who's engaged with and being excited about this here show, because I've been enjoying talking about lots of different things, and I'm excited to bring you the topic of this week, which is regulating the streaming platforms. I had a video on my socials a week or so ago talking about Spotify and talking about my concerns about Spotify and where it's going. You know, that's had too many views, and I'm sure someone at Spotify has probably seen it by now, but it had me thinking about the platforms and how different they are and should they be and what is the difference between a competitive advantage versus thing that should be almost accessible to everyone almost a utility almost as if there are just set standards that need to be laid in stone set in stone the law is laid down for everyone to adhere by these same rules i think i'm approaching this because i have a particular interest in not only music and musicians but also technology and interaction in between that because i think that because we cannot avoid interacting with private companies or publicly listed companies that make decisions for us in the consumption of music and the markets that drive us to buy CDs and vinyl and then go into MP3s and now to go into streaming. And we don't really have much say in that. And that's not always a bad thing because I don't think that these sort of decisions are democratic. But I think that at this point, these streaming services have largely gone unchecked. And I think it's about time we thought about ways that maybe they were a bit more in line with each other. So to give an example of like industries that have gone through this kind of thing, just look at the SAG writers strike and writers being concerned about AI taking their jobs and about writing prompts or even scripts for them, or even using their likeness, scanning their faces as actors, and then just putting them as extras without even having their consent. Things like that are what these strikes are about. Whereas there isn't a national union in the same way in America for songwriters or artists to have that same say. But I think that there are concerns about AI. There are concerns about a lot of things of the rights of the artist that probably need to be looked at. And I think it's about time that the industry got together to talk about this. There's also regulations for platforms, for example, Facebook, Instagram, everyone. You have regulations about information, disinformation. You have regulations around what to notify people of when it comes to paid promotions and ads. You have things about, you know, inquiries into TikTok and their privacy. You have moderation and bad actors 
and Mark Zuckerberg going to the Supreme Court talking about what are they doing to ensure that there is a manipulation of people on their platforms. So why isn't it the same for streaming services? I feel like they kind of go unchecked because we see them as just a thing that you just play music. It's just something that happens in the background. But this is not the point of my discussion today, but a sub point is that there are things like playlists, right? You see those big playlists run by the streaming platforms, but also run by individuals. And some of those people are being paid to place them in this playlist. And there isn't really a regulation around that. And there's definitely a bias and an influence on this playlist as well. So even from a new music Friday, for example, you will see that some artists and labels get preference in these slots. And is that fair? Is that right? That is something to talk about, but that is less of my point. I want to try to outline to you today a few things that I think that the streaming services should align on to have parity across the board because point one, I want to address the points of difference because as a competitive advantage, I think that every streaming service should have a different competitive advantage. And I don't think that should be taken away that every streaming service should be the same because they all ostensibly have the same catalog. So that's problematic in that if I get a title, Spotify, Apple Music, I will largely get the same music. There is very little difference in between all of them because they are serviced to all of them by the different distributors, labels, rights holders. So what else can they do to differentiate themselves? So before I get into what the parity should be for these streaming services, let's go into some of their points of differentiation. First off the rank is obviously the biggest of them all, which is Spotify. Spotify, where can I start from personal experience? I think that they have the best experience from an app perspective. It is the smoothest app. It is the most updated. It has the most robust back end. And when I talk about that, there are no lags. It, it seems super quick as well as the features. There are so many features inbuilt to it. They have audiobooks, they have podcasts, they have really smart playlists. They have a huge team behind them. You can tell that it is a well-oiled machine in terms of the function of the app. And in this video that I spoke about last week, also I talked about how robust the community tools are. Even though they don't use those communities to their advantage, I think that people like myself can share playlists and see thousands of people listening to it. You can have collaborative playlists with your friends. They really have a way for tastemakers, curators, friends, family to share music in a really social way. And that's the main reason why if I was to delete all of my streaming platforms, because I have all of them for the nature of this work, that I would keep Spotify because it's the most accessible and the one I can share playlists with the easiest. I would say Apple Music is an interesting one. I think one of them, I don't, I don't know how many people use it, but I think that Apple Music One is a draw card in a sense that it's really smart marketing. You have Zane Lowe, you have other hosts that interview people. That's really good to show that they are involved in music and culture. I think their app, especially the desktop app is awful and I hope they just rebuild it from the ground up. So I don't really know what they're trading off there. They do have exclusive video, which is interesting. They have a Drake video short film that you can see on YouTube, but also was made exclusively for Apple Music. You have Frank Ocean's Endless, which I don't think many people know is exclusive to Apple Music. So if you want access to Endless, there is a quote unquote illegal stream on SoundCloud, but you can get that exclusively on Apple Music, but that's not 
Frank Ocean's Endless is not enough of a reason of a calling card. I think that Apple, you can buy the MP3s off as well. And some people just like the ecosystem of having one subscription of being an Apple person and being in an Apple world. And Apple Music is definitely more American-centric, if anything. You've got Tidal, which I quite like these days. I think their app is really clean and less bloated than Spotify. I think their playlists and the interaction with artists is stronger. They have Hi-Fi. They have the high-res audio as well, as well as having more artist-centric pages. So if you go to some of the bigger artists, they have things like when you scroll down on Spotify, you have suggested artists. They have influences of as another marker underneath. So you can go to influences of Drake or things like that. And you can go through the artists that they are influenced by, which is smart. They also have robust credits, which I love, respect and admire. You can, you can find out who the audio engineer is, the studio manager, the studio assistant on certain songs and that is a beautiful thing. And all of those little things are hyperlinked as well. So you can see what else they've maybe worked on. A couple more YouTube music I don't use at all, but I do have a subscription to, I have it because I have YouTube premium, but I think the main draw card, if I was to ever double down on YouTube music is that they have a lot of music that isn't on any other streaming platform, usually because people have ripped it and then uploaded it to YouTube. So the artist hasn't even distributed it themselves to monetize. So that's a huge deal if you are an underground music listener, if you're an underground DJ, if you wanna find bootlegs and cuts from the 1982, you can find it there and you'll find it nowhere else. And then lastly, you have audio file platforms like Cobuzz, which is a niche within a niche within a niche. And you're really there for you. You're not really there for anyone else. You're not sharing playlists with anyone else, but you can buy and download in CD quality and high res. And I think that might be one of the few places where you can access and download high res quality audio because Apple Music, you can buy the music, but you can't delineate what file you can download it to. So part two is about parity. Here, I wanna list out some of my suggestions of how the streaming services should align on a very fundamental basic level so that it is fair, so that it is consistent, so that each one has a bare baseline minimum approach when it comes to treating music on the internet. Position number one, Mr. Speaker, in my changes to the streaming platforms would be parity of pay to artists. I feel like this is a no-brainer. I think it's so wild that these private companies decide on the level of pay that an artist gets per stream on their track. I'll put up a list of the different grades that people get, but I think it's absolutely wild that it can be like 0.005 cents on one, you can get one cent on another, the parity and the disparity is absolutely insane. And it should be the bare minimum for artists when talking about their rights as an artist, that they should be getting the same across every platform. I don't think that's too hard to ask. The second one, and this is probably very anti, a lot of these suggestions are probably anti-Spotify because I think that Spotify holds this as their particular niche is that I think that streaming numbers and charts should be considered across the board because I think that all the other streaming services don't share their numbers of monthly listens of streams because it will just show how small they are in comparison to Spotify. So Spotify will say, V from BTS has a billion streams within a month. Isn't this amazing? And then you go to Apple Music and you might only have 50 million and just goes to show how much smaller it is. But I think that people look at the Spotify streams as fact, as popularity, as a way to judge whether something is successful or not. And in some territories, 
people use different apps more. So they don't, we don't know how many streams are on Apple Music. We don't know how many streams are on Tidal and et cetera. So I think it would be great if that there is a central source that can funnel all the streams and then present it back. So when you look at it, you know, holistically around the world, this artist has achieved this many streams across all streaming services. Not only is it more transparent, I think it's fairer. And I think it's more open-minded to being able to present the success of an artist because it can be biased. Because when you look at, say, streaming numbers on Spotify, for a Korean artist, you can go, oh, well, they've got a million monthly listeners. They mustn't be that big. But they are biggest in Korea where everyone uses Melon and Genie, and they would possibly be bigger than most of your favorite artists, but you'd never be able to tell. So that perception is kind of off. Also, I think it would be really cool when they have global charts, right? They have the viral 50 that that is encompassing again of all the streaming services. So you know that when this is trending, it is globally trending across TikTok, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and it is a much more global reflection as opposed to a slice of a streaming service. Next one, in an artist-centric platform, I think that they should be giving a lot more credits and be a lot more robust than the credits. If I talked about Tidal and being so good at it, if you compare that to Spotify, it will say the main songwriters, the main producer, and maybe an executive producer, and then the label, and that's it. So when I, we talk about Tidal and the sheer detail they go into. I want to go even deeper than that. I want credits for the cover art. I want credits for the photographer. I want the thank yous in there. I want any sort of credit that would be on a regular vinyl sleeve or CD because there is no limitation in terms of length. And I think it serves two purposes. One, it gives credits to the people that worked on it. And there is usually a really difficult hoop to jump through in order to get that credit. Some people don't get credits on social media. Some people it's not written down on their CD sleeves. And I think that it's only fair that when you click on a song that they can say, yeah, I worked on that. And you can look it up as well as that. It's for the fan because discoverability will mean that when I click on a song that I like, I can look at the producer. I can look at anyone that's worked on it. I can look at the cover and say, I love the designer of that. I want to look up more of this stuff and we can get into that world that will give them more opportunity. It will help us to get more context around the music as well. And I don't think it's a huge amount of work because on the artist side, you've just got to submit all that information and then all of the streaming services should be able to populate that with some sort of equilibrium. My next thing that I think should be regulated in streaming services is the right to transfer your playlist, your profile, your listens, your collections to any streaming service at any time time. I think that is something that is a bit strange that the streaming services don't allow you to do because they, I guess, claim that if you make playlists on their platform, that they essentially own it and not you. But it's not their music and it's not our music. It's basically just data to say, I listen to that. I say that I like that. I put that into a playlist. So I don't know if anyone owns that. And I think that a lot of people would want to try out going from Spotify to Tidal, for example, but just the sheer work and headache to go to transfer your playlists will turn most people off. And now I know there are apps that can do it. I use them sometimes too, but I think there should be a one button solution so that people in a competitive market should be able to test out, transfer and use different streaming services easily. The next one I find is funny because it should be a bare minimum, which is high definition cover art because I get so disappointed when I see a new cover art by an artist and it's tiny and then you blow it up and the resolution is 
awful. And that should be a bare minimum as a music fan. Future had a record, I think it was last year, one of my favorite record covers in a long time. I'll put it on the screen. I can't remember what it was called. But that in high definition, because I found a version of it, it's high definition, it's such a great cover. And I would like to enjoy that as a fan, please. As well as that, I think that every platform should have an about the album. Because on title, it sounds like an ad for title. I don't even use it that much, but I think they're doing it. Title is the closest. They have an about the album. It's kind of like a version of their press release. So so-and-so released this album on this day. They wanted to release it around this time because they thought that this, they collaborated with this. You know, those sort of blurbs, I think that we have access to too much music these days. So we are lacking a whole lot of context. And these bios, these descriptions of these albums are written and I think that when you click on an album, you should be able to see those things because it just helps. It helps the fan, it helps the artist. The next one is a bugbear. And if you're someone that has OCD, I think you'll particularly like this one. I think there should be a standard in terms of organization of the music, in terms of albums, singles, deluxe editions, remasters, remixes, compilations, and greatest hits, because it's a mess, guys. That is one of the things on streaming services across the board that's a complete mess. When you have an album, the original album, you have the remixed version, the remastered version, and then you have another weird version 20 years later that someone else remastered it. And so suddenly when you type in this album, you have six different versions to choose from and you don't really know which is the one that you should be listening to. And I think for most people like us, you're not looking for the, oh, the John Graham remastered version. You just want to listen to the record, but there's suddenly it makes it so confusing. And then you have deluxe editions when they wanted to remarket it, when maybe there are demos that come attached to it. I think there should be almost one album, right? One album and that you can maybe scroll down and you can see this is the original album. You scroll down here, are all the remixes for that album. You scroll down further. Here are some songs that were released in the deluxe edition in 2002 that has some demos on it. You scroll down further. And here is a remaster that came out in 2021 that gives you a different sounding version of that album. I think you should go as first preference to the first original sounding album not giving you all the new remasters. I know people do that for marketing, but I think that it's so confusing, so messy, and could use so much improvement. And I think every streaming services should adhere to that. Taking a quick pause to welcome, introduce you to, and invite you to check out the sponsor of today's podcast, the one, the only Turn Table Lab. I've been hovering on the site a long time recently because I've just been, I want a rotary mixer and I don't even have turntables to mix with. But I think it's one of those things when you're in the world that I'm in, a rotary mixer is like one of the holy grails of like, if you feel like you can like DJ, but also be like some sort of, you know, individual that cares about music and sound in that way. Turntable Lab is of course the home of everything you need from an enthusiast, audio listener to a beginner, whether you're someone that collects things, collects vinyl, they have a hundred thousand records in their record store. Plus, 100,000 plus records that you can choose from. Or if you're a DJ, you can pick up things like a rotary mixer, or if you just want to wait for the top of your vinyl because everything's getting too heavy, you can get that as well. So if you want to check them out, go to turntablelab.com. Also, you can go with their four or more deal. So four or more records, you get 10% off, or you can go to turntablelab.com forward slash Derek and check out the selections that I've made of things that I want to purchase, including a lovely rotary mixer.
back to the episode. This one is less of a parity thing. I think it is something that everyone should strive toward, which is something that Apple has been managing to do, which is hosting DJ sets, but appropriately attributing the music. So similar to YouTube, YouTube has content ID. It scans, listens to the tracks and then tags and then pays those people their rights and royalties for that music. Apple had bought out a company in order to do that. There's a company called Mixcloud, which I used to work out, which does it. And I don't think it would be expensive or particularly difficult for these companies to do that with as large as they are to do that as well. Why should DJ sets sit in this world? I think that, look, SoundCloud isn't what it used to be. So I think that there should be a new home for DJ sets. I don't think the place is Mixcloud, unfortunately. And the only place to really listen to DJ sets at good quality is on YouTube and SoundCloud, but I think en masse. And I would like to see DJ sets. I think the technology is there. I guess people find it such a low, low priority. But for someone like me, I think that DJ sets on streaming platforms should be a no-brainer. I think if we want true parity, my next suggestion is having music videos in app. If we want parity, then YouTube shouldn't be the only place that music videos live. And I know, I know you might be like, Derek, that sounds like a horrible idea. I want to go to YouTube for music videos. But I think if you want parity, then everyone should have music videos. And maybe, maybe sometimes when you're listening to the music, it might show in the corner the music video that's playing as well, because they do that for podcasts on Spotify and no one asks for that. Hey, hi, I'm waving because maybe you're listening to my podcast on Spotify and you're seeing my face. But they force that issue when not everyone wants that. But why can't we have music videos when we're listening to the song? It might even deepen our engagement with that artist because we might not know that they've made a music video for that song and it's there and it's playing on Spotify. Last but not least, and I think this is one, one is an important one, and I think it is a very artist-centric request. I would like to see a regulation about what artists should deliver in terms of assets to the music streaming platforms because every platform has different deliverables in terms of banners, in terms of thumbnails. I know on Apple Music, when you submit an artist profile picture, it has to, it's it gives you a circle and it says, okay, within this circle, the eyes have to be within these lines because if not, then it's not gonna work for us because it's gonna crop out all this X, Y, and Z. And it means that like an artist press pick bio profile pick has to adhere to a very strict thing. Apple has animated album covers. Apple has a thing where when you play the song, there's a bit of animation that's happening. Spotify has Spotify canvases and canvases are a version of that. You can put anything on there. You can put animations, you can put writing on there. And when you think about what an artist has to deliver, that is, I would argue, extraneous to the expression of being an artist. I don't think anyone has become a fan of an artist because they've enjoyed their Spotify canvas. But yet, to show fealty and loyalty to Spotify, you should do those things in order to prove to the streaming services that you are committed to them. I think that that is total BS. And I think that all those extraneous things, you need to cover up. Sure, you need a press pick of yourself, but you don't need to update that all the time. I know that like Drake, for instance, hasn't updated his in years. Kanye at one point hadn't updated his in like 10 years or something like that. I don't think that the onus on the artist should be to bow to the platforms and to create assets specifically for them to show that they are in favor of them in order to get favor from them. I think that is messed up and a very manipulative 
of the streaming platforms. So there is my proposition to you. That is my case put to you. It is my court case. It is my <laughs> proposal. But what do you think? I know that this is a very me thing to think about. I know this is a very specific and very nitpicky and probably something that will never happen or even interest you all that much. But I think about these things. I think about these streaming services being more akin to the Instagrams, TikToks, Facebooks, but it doesn't have that same sort of eye on it. Or maybe even the Screen Actors Guild or any of those sort of rights. I don't think the the sort of eyeballs on it because they're just these big apps. They're just apps with catalogs and libraries. But I think that there is a lot at play that each one uses to their advantage to get away with a certain amount of things to take advantage of the artists, to take advantage of their teams and what they have to deliver. I think it influences music on the whole when people think, oh, this is number is wholly representative of the popularity of the group. For example, as I finish up, festivals, bookers, people will look at the streaming numbers and go, hmm, Derek only has two monthly listeners. He is not popular. I'm not going to book him. Lo and behold, I am massive in India, <laughs> for example, and I have 200 million streams per month, but you would never know that. So I think why shouldn't there be a bit more transparency across the board in order for it to benefit most people, I was going to say everyone, but probably all of these suggestions will probably hurt Spotify the most because if if people can have the streaming numbers, the playlists on other streaming platforms and they can leave easily, well, then they, they lose the big slice of the pie and they'll be pushing very much away from these suggestions. What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I hope you are well. As I wrap up the year, I would love your feedback on the podcast. If you want to send me an email, if you want to send me a text, if you want to DM me, I would love to hear your thoughts because I'm trying to improve this every single week. I'm experimenting as you're seeing and I just want to make sure that in 2024, I take on those learnings and take it somewhere new and different. So this has been Derek G Speaks Volumes. Much love to you and your family and I'll see you next week.